Welcome to Where Are We Going, Episode 4. I'm Jason Weedle. Today, we're talking about changing theology. All of us go through some kind of changes in our understanding of God, our understanding of our relationship to Him, the way that we should act and behave as Christians. It may be as simple as a change in the way that we think worship should be done on Sunday morning. Or it may be a change as complicated as the way we see and understand Jesus' work on the cross. Throughout time, theology changes. The church a thousand years ago understood many Christian doctrines differently than we do today. The church in different parts of the world understands different beliefs differently than we in America understand them. And it's very likely that what we accept today will be different from what we accept and assent to 20 years from now. On today's show, we're looking at the way that we respond to those changes and the movement that maybe is happening in the American church and the Christian church around the world. I talk first with Christian Pyatt, who is an author who has written a book called Post-Christian that examines many of these issues. Christian Pyatt, I'm an author, blogger, and podcaster. Um, most recently, I uh, wrote a book called Post-Christian, What's Left, Can We Fix It, Do We Care? Uh, co-founded, co-host uh, the Homebrewed Christianity Culture Cast and blog over at the Progressive Christian Portal at Patheos. Uh, my wife's a pastor in Portland, Oregon, and I work from home and try to hold the fort down. The, uh, the book Post-Christian really uh, is kind of a deep dive, I think is a little much for some people. I, I gave it to a couple of people I know and they couldn't make it through it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it really examines some things about where we are in the culture and with Christianity. Can you say a couple things about that and what the book looks at? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we've seen is that although we have a lot of people you know, who are ab abandoning any institutional religious identity and people who are just spiritually unaffiliated altogether, that uh, the, the biggest concern I have is the disparity that people have uh, between their perception of who Jesus was and, and this idea of God, whatever their God of their understanding is, and the people who claim that God or claim to follow that Jesus. And the disparity between the perceptions of those two, it, it just goes to show that we haven't moved much past the, the saying that Gandhi said, you know, I love... Uh, your Christ, I don't like your Christians because they're so unlike your Christ. So, so the, the question in the book is, you know, where are, what, where is again? What's left? Uh, can we fix it and do we care? Yeah. So do, can we fix it and do we care? Yeah, what's we left? The book? Yeah, well, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, what's, what's left? Uh, the reality is that uh, although I think you're going to see church continue to decline numerically, uh -huh. you're going to see denominations uh, come together, uh, you're going to see you know, churches close and consolidate and things like that. And for those who feel that their legacy or their call, 
their mission is to maintain those institutions, it feels like a crisis. But in some ways, I think it's actually a good thing because that those are the vestiges of Christendom or Christian empire that we're freeing ourselves from. In some ways, we've been serving a false god um, in serving the church primarily and then then trying to find God in, in the church. So in some ways, it's allowing us to let go and really get back to what matters because the fact is the gospel is still the gospel. Christ is still Christ and God is still God. And those things uh, still move within us and among us. And uh, anywhere we gather with some sense of uh, call to justice, uh, of to reconciliation, and to better know ourselves and one another, I think God meets us there. And so that's actually good news. And what we have to do is just celebrate that wherever and however we can and that it doesn't have to look like our parents or grandparents or, you know, Paul or anybody like that did it. Um, it's going to look different. It's going to be different. But God still meets us there. I don't think God cares so much whether or not the church, as we understand it, survives. Do you have some? Do you have any thoughts about the things that we see changing and the ways things will look different? Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things that you see shifting uh, is uh, within the evangelical church. Uh, you know, you've seen even within the political, the, the sort of bellwether for that is the political uh, climate. And you see that uh, a lot of uh, more uh, right-leaning politicians are breaking away from the sort of uh, moral majority. Uh, you know, they don't have to genuflect to uh, Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, uh, focus on the family, you know, get their blessing to actually have a chance. Uh, anymore, So I think you see that. And also you've got more, the younger people are within the evangelical church, the more socially progressive they are in the way they think. So what you're seeing is that at some point they hit some sort of linchpin issue like gay marriage. And they say, you know what, this is too important to me and I just can't handle this anymore. And they're walking away. Now they either come to the more progressive theology or they just walk away altogether and look for community somewhere else. Um, some would think that that's good news for the mainline and progressive denominations, but I don't think it's necessarily so. Usually when people walk away, they're not looking actively for another church home. Most of them just walk away and wipe their hands of it. So what we've got to do as leaders, as followers of Jesus and people who are trying to avail others to that good news, and we understand it, that there's a love that holds the world together, that there's something worth living for more than yourself, um, we have to go and find them. And we have to be Jesus to them. We have to listen to their stories. We have to uh, apologize for the mistakes we've made as church, even if we personally haven't done it. And we have to work actively for healing and reconciliation, uh, one relationship and one story at a time. It seems that within Christianity, we are simply not very good at changing and at saying we have been wrong. The foundations of our religion are millennia old, and so it, it seems that there is something inherent that makes us hang on to what is old and be very suspicious of what is new. For centuries, Christian leaders have rejected new thoughts, new ideas, new developments. Christian leaders clung tightly to the geocentric model of the universe saying that the earth is the center of the universe and we will not accept that the earth rotates around the sun. There are even Christian leaders who rejected things like the fork or the zipper 
saying that these developments were against the will of God and would lead to immorality and debauchery. How many of us have heard Sunday morning preachers rail against the internet, television, social media? We don't always know how to navigate change, and I think we're often concerned that allowing too much change will affect our theology. Brandon Robertson is one of those young people who has had to navigate some change in his own ideas and theology and is quickly becoming an influence in the evangelical church in America. Yeah, I do a couple different things. My blog called Revangelical, which I started while I was a student at Moody Bible Institute, and really just started having some experiences that um, caused me to realize that evangelicalism had become hijacked by a number of different agendas and narratives. Um, I like to say, Revangelical, one of our missions is to take us from uh, being a people of Fox News to the people of Good News. And um, so at Revangelical, I just do a lot of cultural commentary um, and commenting on how evangelicals are responding to things like immigration and LGBT issues and try to pave a way forward that's consistent with what it looks like to be a person of the gospel. Um, And then outside of that, I just do a lot of work now full-time working with evangelical churches that are trying to figure out what to do um, to become more inclusive and accepting of LGBT people. Um, And so I have something called the RISE Network, and I've worked with evangelicals for marriage equality, a couple of other things. Uh, So yeah, just keeping busy in the evangelical world. So evangelicals in a lot of our society have really kind of gotten a bad name and a bad reputation and have been associated with a lot of things that a lot of our culture has rejected and, and said that's not who we want to be associated with. But, but you are still kind of choosing to keep that label and push ahead with that. What is important to you about that world and why is it important to kind of revitalize it? Or Yeah. I think for me, two things. One, knowing the history of the word evangelical and the movement of evangelical Christianity. Um, it was created probably about 50 to 100 years ago in America, the modern movement of evangelicalism, to be um, the middle ground version of Christianity between fundamentalism and mainline liberalism. And it was supposed to be this moderate, thoughtful, authentic, and open version of Christian faith that focused on personal salvation and the cross of Jesus, but was also committed to social activism and engaging issues in our world. Um, And what we've seen over the years is... um, with people like Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and the uh, Christian Coalition and the religious right, began to use this word evangelical, even though for their whole history they were known as fundamentalists. But they realized that using this word evangelical could give them more credibility. And over, you can see a clear transition of the cultural consciousness understanding evangelical to mean right-wing, Fox News, Republican, anti-abortion, anti-gay. And that's really disheartening to me because... um, I want to be, I don't fit in with mainline liberalism, and um, I'm not there theologically, and I'm certainly not a fundamentalist anymore, um, and so I want to reclaim this middle ground. But then also, I actually like the word evangelical a whole lot better than the word Christian, um, because I think a follower of Jesus, if not a person of good news, uh, what are we 
what are we supposed to be? Um, yeah. And I really love that and being called that and identifying as that. So yeah. that's what keeps me passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, that's neat. Well, um, you know, as you're sort of looking forward and working on kind of big issues, yeah. um, where do you see us? Do you, do you, are you hopeful about the next 10 years, 20 years? Where do you see us going? Yeah, I think particularly... Um, I think we're seeing globally uh, something that Phyllis Tickle called the age of the spirit. Um, a couple of other people have named it the interspiritual age. I just think we're moving into this age where we're definitely seeing the Holy Spirit doing a reforming and reviving work in Christianity and in the world largely, but especially in evangelicalism. There is this um, movement happening where a lot of young people and even a lot of people that have been a part of this movement and have seen it hijacked by political values are rediscovering what it looks like to follow Jesus and in our world realizing the necessity of getting back to the simple love your neighbor as yourself and love God and self-sacrificial way of living Um, and so I'm convinced we're seeing a revival among evangelicals Um, I particularly work a lot right now with the LGBT community and unbelievable numbers um, I'm forgetting the statistic right now, but there's a large statistic that says almost half of religiously engaged LGBT people identify as evangelical. And that's mind-blowing, considering evangelicals are probably one of the largest uh, religious movements that are opposed to LGBT rights. And so all of that is saying we're seeing churches shifting, we're seeing people like Tony Campolo and Stan Mitchell and wonderful people taking big steps forward and saying there's a better way to be a follower of Jesus, a way that doesn't exclude people, a way that looks at what Jesus did on the cross in a more inclusive and universalistic way, um, which will cause some people to be very nervous, but it's all in line with evangelical orthodoxy. And I don't know, I could go on and on, just we're seeing shifts. And my work puts me on the front lines talking with some of the biggest leaders in evangelicalism and when you sit with them across the table and hear them say the spirit is working in my heart and I'm changing my mind on this and that and this and I just can't help but be hopeful and to really believe that what Jesus said is true the kingdom of God is coming on earth as it is in heaven from my my own personal background which was which was very southern evangelical um I think that there, there, there was sort of this unlearning uh, of a few things that had to take place um, in my life for me to really sort of feel free to ask the kind of questions that, that, that sort of led to where I am today. And I think that that looks different for everyone. But and and I and I just kind of rebelled against church for a long time. And um, and so what I have seen now that I have 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 come back and I've. Um, and, and I've re-engaged um, the faith um, from, from a different viewpoint. What I see is more of an openness um, to, talk about, to talk about our feelings in general that, that, was, that you just don't see in generations older than us, especially when I'm in, constantly in these contexts of multi or, or intergenerational contexts within missions organizations that I'm, that I'm around and, and overseas. You can really see a lot of the discussions and things that are led with older generations that that they talk about uh, about needing to share their feelings in a way that younger generations just instinctively know how to do, um, mm-hmm. and, and 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 do and, and have no problem doing where older people see see that and, and and just don't seem to understand you know um, 
uh, how, how to get to that to, to a certain type of vulnerability that younger generations just do. You know, as I get older and older, it, it just seems that the message of Christ becomes simpler and simpler. It, just love one another. Just love one another. I, I, and I, I hear that more and more, and it's refreshing to hear. It's, it's God's... Uh, I'll get this wrong, but it's the... Uh, God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to convict, is my job to love you and to let you know that God loves you. Most of us would agree that we go through changes in our Christian lives. We go through changes in our beliefs, in our doctrines, in our theology. I wanted to talk with someone with a bit of a different perspective about about those changes. I spoke with a friend, Pastor Jimmy Acree, who lives in a town nearby, about his perspective on the change that we see in the church as a whole and in our own lives. Well, we're talking about uh, theology and how the, the way our theology does change over the years. And I think we've seen that throughout the history of Christianity, that we believe things in different ways. We believe different things than, than our predecessors did. Um, how, what would you say just in general about the idea that our beliefs change? Should our beliefs change? Should our beliefs not change? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that our all our beliefs are going to be changing to some degree, you know. And I'm not where I was, you know, 35 years ago when I began to follow Jesus. I'm not at the same place. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. I used to think a lot of things a certain way, and today, uh, you know, those things are different. So, yeah, I think our theology changes. Um, is that a good thing? Uh, yeah, hopefully it is. Hopefully we're growing in our understanding of who God is and who Christ is. And so we're growing in that. And so hopefully our, our changes are, as we become closer to him, as we get to know him better, our theology is changing in keeping with that. Uh, I do believe that we can change our theology to the point that uh, we are in error. I do think, you know, you can change and it not be good. So I think both of those things are true. It can be good and it cannot be good. Do you see things changing um, in ways, those things that maybe the evangelical church as a whole or the American Christianity as as a whole that we have held on to um, that have been a part of our Christian culture? And we see some of those things changing over the years. Do you see things changing in ways that you think are good or not good? Well, like I just mentioned, I think change in theology can be good and it cannot be good. Okay, so let me just tell you a little bit about my story. I mean, I'm 56 years old and I lived, I'm a Southern Baptist also, okay, so that, that's, that's germane to, to what I want to tell you right now. As a Southern Baptist back in the 1980s, early 1980s, our, our convention had, if you would, a, a battle. Okay, it was called a battle, and it was it was fought out publicly in front of everyone. Actually, I'm not sure. You know, if, I don't think it was a positive thing for the cause of Christ. But in Southern Baptist life, we we 
discussed, we fought over, if you would, where does our theology come from? In other words, what's going to be the basis of our theology? Is it just going to be what I think versus what you think? Or is our theology going to come from the Bible? And of course, you know, that, that controversy was over what is the nature of Scripture? Is Scripture the Word of God or not? Can it be trusted? Is it mm-hmm. true? And so I was a young man. I was in my early 20s, had just begun to follow Jesus. And so, you know, I had to grapple with that issue. I remember I went to a school that, that didn't hold to a view that the Bible was, you know, God's Word. And so, and I was majoring in religion, and that's another story. But I was majoring in religion in a school yeah. that didn't believe the Bible, okay? And so... I had to really grapple with, you know, what is the Bible, okay? And, and, and I'm telling you, it was a real struggle. It was a real struggle. I saw uh, apparent contradictions in the Scripture. How does, that, how does that fit together with the nature of the Bible being God's Word and being true? And, uh, and I'll be the first to tell you, man, that my view of the Bible is a faith affirmation, okay? But my faith affirmation is, because this is what the Bible claims to be, and I think Jesus pointed to this is what the Bible would be, and that it would be a revelation from him that would be true, that could be trusted, that it would express his heart for us. Mm-hmm. And so at the, at the early age of 20-something, okay, you know, I, by faith, not only did I trust Christ by faith, but I trusted that the, that the Bible was God's word. And I held to it, and I believed it. And so I, I got my theology from the Bible, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, like you've pointed out, people use the Bible to defend different things, right? And this is where I think our theology can change over time. As we study the Bibles, I get to know it. I can say, you know, that thing I was taught early, that's really not what the Bible's teaching. That's really not a good application of what the Bible is saying here. So my theology can change. But something that's not going to change for me as an evangelical is the nature of the Bible. In other words, I don't think it's legitimate for um, for a Christian to say, "Well, this is what this is what the Bible says." But you know, I don't really believe that to be true. I don't. I don't think that's what. I don't think that's right. You know, I mean, I know that's what it says, but I don't think that's what it's. I don't think that's really what's important. I don't think that's what matters. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's a legitimate stand for a Christian to take. And, and to take. And, and actually, for me as an evangelical, that's what I thought evangelicals were. Right. Uh, that's 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 who I thought evangelicals were were people who held to the scripture to be God's revelation of himself to us obviously Christ is the greatest revelation of who God is he's the he's the perfect representation of the invisible God but how do we know anything about Christ we know it through the word of God right and so I, I think it's I think it's a dichotomy that's really not fair to somehow divorce Jesus from the word of God and, and somehow pretend that they're two different things to me to me, the written word of God reveals to us the, the incarnate God, right, who became like us. And so, so what I know about Jesus, I know from the word of God. Would you, would you um, how do you think that things like culture or science, do you think those things should affect our understanding of God or of what the Bible means? I think one... Um, issue that we hear a lot when we talk about if history or science or culture affect what we believe about God in the Bible is the belief that the earth was the center of the universe, um, which was kind of held as a theological truth for mm-hmm. a, lot of, a, a long time. Um, but we don't believe that anymore, at least most of us. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think would you expect that there are issues like that 
that we will see differently as we're moving forward? Sure, absolutely. I mean, but nowhere in the scripture does it say that the earth is the center of the universe. Well, right? was, that was that was what people interpreted. That's what people said. But that's not what the Word of God says, right? But some of those people would have said there is scripture that says that. When when Psalm says the earth is immovable, um, you know that was taken as the earth is here okay. and stable. Sure, I, I, I'll be willing to say that there, there are things like that. That, uh, but you know, the, the Bible also speaks, and I've heard this, and I'm not going to be able to give a clear example of it. But, but there are things in the Scripture that seem to point to the fact that the Earth wasn't the center of the universe, and that we did sure. revolve around the sun, right? So, so other people point to that to say, hey, see, the Scripture, you know, was was correct even before it was known to be correct. I can't remember some of the examples, but there are some, right? So my point is. Yes, yeah. So, so examples like you're giving there, where, where science kind of makes clear things that we, you know, wouldn't have been clear from Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe those things will, will will change for us. But but for the evangelical, and you and I have had this conversation, you know, offline. But for the evangelical, I thought one of the, and especially as a young evangelical in my twenties, right? One right. of the one of the hallmarks of being an evangelical was that you held to the Word of God as being God's Word, right? And so, right. so here I was trying to, if you would, stand against uh, folks who were a, a bit more liberal in their understanding of things. Uh, and I would say they, they would not have called themselves an evangelical because they would not have affirmed that the Bible is God's Word and that, that what it says is, is true. And, and so even today with the changing stuff that's going on in theology, and, and I hear this a lot in podcasts, that, that people want the evangelical name or the evangelical label, but, but yet want to jettison that tenet that the word of God is true. And, uh, and to me, that's, that's a little bit uh, unfair. It seems like to me there should be a new name for folks who are willing to say, well, you know, I, I, find, I find God's word in, in the Bible, or, or really I think God's word comes from... I discover him as, as I live through life, as opposed to the scripture, right? And still want the evangelical label. I don't know if that would make any sense or not. Do, would, you, would you say or accept that there could be sort of gradations in that? That a person can, you know, since we're talking about the Bible, um, one person might be very rigid about this is um, inspired and inerrant and there's no wiggle room. And one person might be at the other end and say, this is just historical myth. Um, but I think there probably are a lot of gradations in that. You know, a person may still say, this is inspired, but written by men. Or this is inspired in the original language, but... Mm-hmm. Our translation distorts it, or you know. Sure, I, I mean, absolutely, there are gradations of, of of where we stand with the scriptures. I mean, there's no doubt. Even in even in our county here, and you know, we're both in the same county, but even in the county in which we live, we find churches that would you know would have different positions on you know exactly what the word of God is, and, and like you're talking about the. Okay, we have to agree on all the doctrinal issues, or, or there's there's room for diversity in some way of thinking about different things, and that's that's kind of where I am. But but what I what I would say is that you'd have, you know, what what I'd like to see is okay, is your position, is your theology, is it built on the scriptures? Does it come from the scriptures? Does it come from what you think? And to me, that's where the that's where the difference lies. Now, granted, we're all going to be thinking, right? But 
But does, is my thinking, uh, does it come about because I'm finding this in, in God's word? Or is my thinking saying, well, this is what God's word says, but that's not what I think is true. This is what I think, so therefore I'm going to go with this theology. And to me, when you, when you start jettisoning the word of God, making your own theology from your, from your own way of thinking... Then you're in a different realm that's not evangelical, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's not, I wouldn't call it evangelical because evangelical, uh, again, and this is just from where I come, but evangelical, one of the tenets of evangelicalism was that you held to the Word of God as God's Word. Even if you, you know, even if there's gradations in there, you know, like, you know, some folks hold to the, just the King James, etc., stuff like that, right. you know, and that's not where I am. I, I, I understand the difference in textual criticism. I understand the difference in the text. I understand what textual criticism is. And, and so I'm, I'm willing to say, man, there's some, there's some areas that, that are open to be seen in different ways, right? And so and I'm okay with that. God's going to settle that in the end. But my problem, comes when, in, in, my problem comes when you and I say, well, this is what the Bible says, but this is what I think, and I'm going to go with what I think. How, how, how often, though, when we say this is what the Bible says, is it also this is what I think? Isn't, isn't, there, isn't there overlap? I mean, because when we say this is what the Bible says, really we're saying this is what I think the Bible says. That's true. That's true. But, you know, throughout the millennium, man, Christians, followers of Christ, have pretty much said this is what the Bible says. And so over the years, there's become this... this uh, this orthodoxy that we say this this is what the word of God says and for millennium Christians have held to it right and so now some folks come along and it, it's it's there is there's more to this than than just we dis we're thinking on the scriptures and we come out of a different place versus I'm thinking but what I'm thinking really doesn't come from the scriptures it's what I think does that make sense yeah um. And to me, that's where the problem lies. The problem lies not in the fact that you and I look at the Word of God and maybe see it a little bit different and come out a little bit different at a little bit different spot, maybe, okay? And, and I'm willing to accept that. And I'm willing to say, okay, man, that's, that's fine. God's going to settle all that issue. God's going to settle it all at the end anyway, right? Regardless of whether you, if you reject the Scripture and come up with your own theology of who God is and who Jesus is and what it means to follow Him and that's somehow apart from God's Word, apart from the Bible, if, if that's... Uh, you know, God's the one who's going to settle all of that at the end, right? But when it comes to, to, to my understanding of Scripture and doctrine and truth, you know, I understand there can be places where we differ a little bit, but it has to come within the confines of, of what the Scripture seems to teach. I was hearing somebody talk earlier today about that the fact that often when we... Um, when beliefs are challenged, we cling tightly to our position because it's not simply that our beliefs are challenged, it's that our identity is challenged because we've, we find identity in those beliefs. So, for instance, if someone were to say there's no such thing as, as hell, uh, if I've always believed that and I'm part of a community that believes that and that is basically a part of my worldview that I respond very negatively to that, not just because it's a it's a something I disagree with, but because it's something that challenges me. Mm-hmm. Or you know, it could be uh, that's just an example, but there could be a lot of things. Do you think there's legitimacy to that? Legitimacy that, that, to the idea that, that idea that uh, we're 
uh, that my identity is challenged? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I, I recognize that to be true. Anybody would have to admit they recognize that to be true. Now, just because I recognize that or just because I see it as a possibility doesn't mean I have to change. I mean, doesn't mean I'm wrong to hold to my position if I'm, if I'm willing to acknowledge that there's my whole identity identity's at stake here. But I, I think we need to be honest. I think we need to be honest with with other different views and, and, and ask ourselves, you know, is there some truth to that? Could that be right? But at the end of the day, I don't have to, even though my identity's at stake, I, I don't have to. What am I trying to say, Jason? <laughs> this is hard. And isn't that clinging? You know, I guess the problem I have with that is that, or I have with saying that I'm going to cling to my identity, is that that is really, that's not clinging to Christ. It's not, it's not laying down my life. It's actually clinging to my life mm-hmm. and the things that I, I want and I believe. But, but it's, it's very difficult because, you know, we have these thought patterns and these worldviews and sometimes they're, and, and they're largely based on the culture that we live in and that we grew up in and the understanding that we have of the world, not always simply based on a, 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 an objective view of scripture or something like that. And so I, I guess if I were to, you know, I think that's often the reaction to, um, to when beliefs are challenged, that we cling tightly and we don't just like you just said we don't say we don't openly say well maybe I should examine these things but we say no I have to hold tightly to what I believe mm-hmm. not because it's necessarily simply a conviction that we've come to but because it's a part of me and I have to hold on to me mm-hmm. yeah I mean I obviously I don't think that I don't think that's how I should be and I feel like truth can stand up for itself right so if I have sure. the truth if I have the truth you know then what I believe will stand up to your questioning it'll stand up to your position it'll stand up to your perspective on it right and so I don't need to be afraid I don't need to say this is my identity I'm protecting I can actually be honest and look at what you're saying and all but 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 by the same token man I don't have to just be just because you're challenging me or just because you're seeing something different than me doesn't mean that I have to buy into what you what you say. I tell people here all the time, this is a little bit different, but you know, if you were to come to me and say, Jason, or you were to come say, Jimmy, you know, I see this in your life and, it, and it's a negative. You're confronting me on something in my life that, that you see that it's not good, right? I should, I should listen to you. I shouldn't attack you. I should see that as you loving me enough to come and confront me with something that you think that I need to change or fix in my life, okay? So I should, I should welcome that, and I should actually uh, thank you for it, okay? But that doesn't mean that at the end of the day I have to agree with you. In other yeah. words, after I've looked at what you've said, I might say, no, Jason, you're really not seeing that right. Yeah. Um, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm doing. And, and, and so I don't have to accept what you're confronting me with. I need, to, I need to accept you as my friend. I need to accept you as in, in your love for me and as you confront me, but, but I don't have to accept what you say. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to us having these theological discussions and talking about where we find truth and what truth is. I, uh, I need to listen. I don't need to be scared of what you say. If I have the truth, it's going to be able to stand up to what you say, okay? So I ought to listen and ought to be, ought to be open to it, right? But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean I have to accept. 
We could spend a lot of time discussing and debating how we come to write theology, how we understand the Bible, and how we understand God. But the reality that we have to accept is that those understandings are always changing. They change within each one of us, they change over periods of time, they change as culture changes. My hope is that as our culture is moving forward, we are also moving forward toward a, a fuller and more beautiful understanding of who God is and who he wants us to be. If you'd like to find out more about the interviewees that have been on today's show, please see our show notes. Please also take a minute to rate Media Scorch on iTunes and to check out the other Media Scorch programs.